You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Restored, where we're taking a look at what happens when the kingdom comes close. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Those of you that don't, don't know me, I, I think I've introduced myself to everybody at some point in time or another, but my name is Shane, teaching pastor here at Crosspoint. Um, excited to be with you all this morning. Excited to see like, like the room even more packed and we're getting there and we're we're we're, we're getting closer and we'll uh, i'll give a little bit of update uh, there's not a ton but uh at, toward, towards the end but uh let, let me what was what was maybe it was your yours or maybe it was your kids that you did for them what was your favorite halloween costume your fa- and let me because i know sometimes who we get like Make sure it's church-worthy that you can share. Yeah, before I was saved, I was, no! Okay, so just want to make sure. I feel like I always have to give that disclaimer. Yeah, right, yeah. What was your favorite Halloween costume? And all of a sudden, everybody's like, Dad, gum, I can't say mine now. What was your favorite Halloween costume? Energizer bunnies, awesome, awesome. Brandy? So when I was younger, I could decide if I wanted to be strawberry shortcake or private benjamin. Uh, okay. And so okay. I had the private benjamin. Private shortcake. I don't know about your private shortcake, but I, anyway. <laughs> Dave? <laughs> I say, what was your favorite one? So that really actually scares me. I'm just saying it was actually probably the most fun one. Okay. And Dave will be over there by that door after service if you need to talk with him. She was a TV. Too easy. That was too easy. That like, did you get a lot of pickup lines that night? <laughs> oh, wow. One year, middle school, maybe fifth grade, I was, I was uh, Ninja Turtle. My, my, my favorite was Donatello. Now this year, the boys are going to be the Ninja Turtles. It's amazing like how everything comes full, full psyche, cycle. The boys, yeah, the boys said that. I'm like, I don't have enough body hair for that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I know some people that could pull off Splinter by themselves. Uh, I can't. So we're just not going to do that. Um, and I, I'm not going to prove it either. So um, <laughs> Paul's glad for that, right? Uh, we like Halloween for a couple of different reasons. Uh, first of all, first of all, we don't get scared by Halloween here at Crosspoint. Uh, we obviously don't do something and call it Harvest Festival or Fall Festival as if we're disguising something. 
You know, it's like, it's like the air freshener in a bathroom. We know what y'all are doing, okay? Um, it, 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 so second of all, some of those questions actually, actually hinted at, at that. Uh, uh, Halloween actually started because it was the day before All Saints Day, and it started in order to uh, get rid of, and, and during the Dark Ages, there's some superstition behind religion, uh, and is to get rid of the bad demons and the bad spirits for All Saints Day, and then, you know, it's progressed from, from there. Uh, but, but we have two reasons why we like, why we like Halloween. First of all, free candy. I mean, we show up, we show up to somebody else's house and they give us free candy. I mean, that's the awesomest deal ever, right? Like, if all I have to do is dress up to get free candy at somebody else's house, sign me up. And another reason why we like Halloween is the alter ego. Now, Brandy has like two or three alter egos going on there. But the alter ego, we get to draw, dress up as somebody else. You know, past like elementary school, past elementary school, we, it's not cool to dress up anymore. If Elijah came out and was dressed up as something like any other day but, but Halloween, like mama would be like, boy, what's you doing? Like, this is, you know, this is weird. Like, what's going on? So we actually get an excuse to dress up and have an alter ego. But, 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 what if, and I know probably some of us here maybe even struggle with this. What if we lived life dressed up? Not, not literally, but figuratively. What if we live life dressed up? Where we're trying to hide something. Where, we're, where we've got secrets and we're trying to, trying to hide them on the outside and hide what's going on on the inside. There's been actually several songs recently be, be written like that. Secrets by Mary Lambert. They tell us from the time we're young to hide the things that we don't like about ourselves, inside ourselves. I know I'm not the only one who spent so long attempting to be someone else. Well, I'm over it. So what? Yeah, right, right? So what? So what? So what? But there's something. What these songs are saying, there's something inside of us that, that, that has been trained to hide stuff. And is there a way to really come out from underneath that? We started a series last week called Restored. We like stories of, of restoration. I mean, th th those are some of the most popular, uh, uh, most viral shows on TV. And we've, we picked a car theme of restoring cars and overhauling and pimp my ride of, of, of those that have become popular because you see a rusted old car become this, this, this brand new, restored, immaculate, painted a beautiful thing that, that, you know, when you're driving down the road and you see a restored Camaro or a restored Mustang coming towards you, you about getting a wreck because you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. Right? We love stories of restoration. But what if there's something, something deep down inside of us that we can't restore ourselves? Today we're taking a look at restored soul. Restored soul, and, and, and I, I said this from time to time, the soul is the place that we try to, to, to itch, but we can never scratch. We try to get there, but we can never truly satisfy it. And if something's going to be restored, it's got to be broken first, and, and a broken soul. 
But soul, souls, that, that, that's something we kind of throw out in spiritual terms, right? We, we, we talk a lot in church about soul and, and, and Jesus saves your soul. And, 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 and in, the, in, the, in the spirit of Halloween, Jesus saves your soul from hell, right? And some of you, like, you're like, yeah, I've been there before. Like, I've heard that before. And then the judgment houses came up about 10 years ago or so and literally scared the hell out of you, you know? Worst case scenario, just so that you'll pray a prayer and we'll be happy with the statistics that we get from that. But what is soul? What is really soul? Because if you ask people, what is soul? You'll be like, motel? That's soul. Soul music, yeah. We're all white, but if you brought, throw on some motel up there, like, we'll move. I don't want to say we will move good, but we will move. What's soul? No, no worries. I've looked it up for you. Okay, so we'll... Soul. <laughs> Paul was... Whew, he was sweating, man. I, I gotta know what soul is. Soul. It's a moral sense of identity. Moral sense of identity. Identity, you know, the, the, the thing deep down inside of us. Some people call it self-worth, self-esteem, identity. How we view ourselves and how other people view us. Identity. We all have an identity. Moral. Now, moral is a neutral word. A lot of times when you hear the word moral, you think good morals. But, 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 but moral is a neutral word because it can go either way. Bad moral or good morals. Moral is a code of conduct. A code of conduct. Uh, how, what we adhere to to, to, to live life by. And so if we have a broken soul, we have a broken moral code that actually ends up breaking our identity. Said in another way, more simplistic, you are what you do. You are what you do. You become who you are, the, the identity that you see yourself as, and the identity that other people see you as, is what you do. We're going to be taking a look at a story that, that talks about broken soul. But we're going to be, as we read through the story and we get done with the story, you'll actually end up going, hey, wait a minute. Jesus doesn't say a word about soul in this story, but it's there. I mean, Mark chapter 2, and if you've been around church at all, you've probably heard this story. And maybe if you've been around church for a long time, you've seen it play it out on a flannel graph before. You can smell the... Nilla wafers and formaldehyde just combine. And, you know, what? Every old church smells the same way, right? Like vanilla wafers and formaldehyde. It's like built into the walls. <laughs> shh, Paul, Paul, shh. <laughs> Mark chapter 2. You can follow along a hardbound Bible. We'll throw the verses up on the screen. We highly encourage you to download the Bible app if you haven't done so on your tablet or your or your smartphone, we put all the verses in there, uh, uh, search for restored soul uh, in the event um, uh, part of the app. You can follow along, you can take notes in the app, you can take notes in those connect sheets that we put around, connect with God sheets that we put around, you can take notes there. Notes just help, you know, 
soak stuff in a little bit further. But Mark chapter 2, verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Capernaum is the same general area that, that he engaged Peter uh, last week with the story that we looked at last week. That it's the same general area as, as that. But, but in between, when he called out Peter and, and, and Jesus came back to Capernaum, Jesus went through an all-night prayer time and, and, and when, he, when, he, when the morning came and Peter was like, hey, everybody wants to, wants to see you, Jesus. Jesus was like, nope, we got to go. We're leaving. Okay, everybody wants to see you. So he leaves, but then here we see him coming back, back home. Now, we don't think that Jesus actually owned a home. And other, other phrases, other, other sayings of Jesus kind of lead us to believe that he didn't own a home. But this could be his mother's home. This could be some buddy's home. And I've, I've been doing a little bit of research on, on, on homes back in, in the first century uh, Jerusalem and, uh, or the Israel area because of, of Christmas and the Christmas series that's coming up after, after this one. And, 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 and uh, the homes, they were either two or three room homes. The first room was a family room. But, but it's not a family room as in like that's just where we go and sit and watch TV. Well, duh, they didn't have TV back then, okay? So you get that out of your mind. That was where they did everything. That's where they hung out. That's where they cooked. That's where they ate. That's where they slept. Then the second room that they had, if you were a, just, a, just a basic commoner, you'd have a second room, and that would be the stable, where you'd keep your animals, pull your animals in at night and put them in the stable. Now, if you were just a, a little bit more of means, not necessarily rich, but just a little bit more of means than just a common person uh, of that day, you would have a third room, and that was your guest house, or as we saw in the Christmas story, the inn. The guest room. Jesus was staying in some dude's guest room, you know, some somebody of his growing up or something in his in his guest room, and and and, and soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. Now, first century Israel is a lot like third world countries or Africa or something like that. If you've been around church, you've heard stories of missionaries and like the church was packed and they were hanging out the window, they're hanging out the door, they were all around. But us, we like our space. In fact, some of you are kind of wigged out by how full it is this morning. Here. And we're not hanging off the rafters or anything. Don't think about it. All right? Just don't think about it. And so, so, so we kind of like our space, and so it gets 70% full. We're like, this is full, and we don't push through that. But this, in Jesus' day, they would just pack around and, and stand in front of windows just, just to hear, just to get a glance, just to hear. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So, so you got four buddies at this, guy's, at this guy's home, this laying on the mat because he's an invalid. He couldn't walk. And all he could do is be dependent upon other people. And the four guys were like, hey, hey, I heard Jesus was back in town. We missed him the first time. We were going to go see him that day, and he left town. But he's back. Come on, let's go take him to see Jesus. So they pick up his mat, one in each corner. They pick up his mat and take him to see Jesus, where they hear about where Jesus is. And as they approach, they see this crowd all the way around the house. And they're like, oh, man, we're not going to be able to get in. But there's one guy. You know, there's always this guy in the, in the group of bros. It's just like, we're going to push our way through. And so they try, they try to get through. Excuse me, Paul. 
pardon me, excuse me. People are like, buzz off, I was here first, and get back, you know, something a little bit like Black Friday. <laughs> Thank God I'm going to be on a plane on Black Friday. I mean, you know, people like invade your home now on Black Friday. I want this! Like, what are you doing? Anyway, so, squirrel, back, guys. And so they can't get in. And, you know, there's the guy that's just like, let me at him. I'm going to show them something. And there's another, another couple of guys that's just like, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another. There's always this guy, right, in the, in the, in the, in the buddies. It's like, let's go home. It's not going to work. Come on. Let's just, let's just get out of here. We'll try another day. But, but, but one of them, probably one of the two guys that was trying to find another way because the one guy's, you know, he's just focused on beating somebody up and the other guy's just focused on going home. So it's one of the two guys that's trying to find another way. They, they see the staircase. They see the staircase. See, the, 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 the top, the roof in that day was, was either the guest room or the patio. So they come home from a hard day's work. They'd get their beverage. They'd go up to the, to the roof, and they would decompress up on the roof. Now, you don't do that today, right? That's what garages are for, apparently, in Republic. <laughs> Notice that, like... Like, this is the only town I've ever lived in that, that the garage is the place where you have your couch. So do you park in your living room? Anyway, sorry, squirrel. All right, so up the roof. And so they were like, hey, 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 I've got an idea. Here's what we could do. Nobody's up on the roof. Go up the stairs, get up on the roof, dig through the, dig through the roof, and lower him down to Jesus. Tough guy is like... I don't want to beat somebody up, but I guess destroying property, that's good enough. Scared of cat guy's like, we can't do that. It's somebody's house. We can't, we can't destroy the roof. Let's, we'll come back another day. They're like, we tried that already, and he left. We've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to get to him. He can heal our buddy, and he will heal our buddy. We've got to get to him. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. So here's Jesus teaching, teaching the crowd. And then all of a sudden you hear, it's probably a redneck part of Israel, like somebody goes, shoot the squirrel. And it gets louder, and it gets louder, and all of a sudden debris starts falling on Jesus, and he takes a step back, and, and, all, of a sudden, and all of a sudden a chunk of the roof comes, comes down to the ground. And now Jesus has stopped teaching. The place is in a kind of a panic. What's going on? And all of a sudden you see four heads appear out of this hole. And they're like, hey, hey, get your hands up. What, what, get your hands up. They start lowering this dude through the roof. On a mat. Probably the vision of flying carpet. Except this one didn't fly. Or else they wouldn't need to carry the guy. Any, anyway. So they lower the guy through the roof. They help him down. The four guys jump down. I, I, think, I think at this point in time, Jesus kind of got a little smile across his face. He knew what the guys want, but he knew what he was going to do. Seeing their faith. That's why I think Jesus got a smile on his face. Saw their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Talk about letting the air out of the balloon, right? 
What is everybody expecting? A healing. The dude's going to be able to walk again. Hey, your sins are forgiven. Tough guy's like, I found who I'm going to beat up. <laughs> She's like, you probably don't want to do that, man. Just saying. If you're like, um, that's awkward. That guy wanted to be healed. Like, get up and walk. That's measurable. Your sins are forgiven. That's not measurable. You can't see sins just going floating out of a man or a woman. I'm glad your wife's not here since you snickered at that. I'm so glad your wife's not here. <laughs> so everybody's just like, oh, this is kind of weird. But some people understood what he was doing. But some of the teachers of religious law who were there, who were sitting there, thought to themselves, in their hearts. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. See, Jesus isn't saying, I'm God, but he's saying, I'm God, indirectly by saying, your sins are forgiven. He, he, he takes where people are and moves them deeper, and, and he's wanting to challenge people's faith, and, 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 and these guys get it. In another indirect way, Jesus is calling himself God. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking in their hearts. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up. Don't think little baby horse getting up to their feet. The man jumped up. Picked up their man. And I, I didn't see this before. This is hilarious. This is hilarious. Walked out through the stunned onlookers. When they were trying to get in, the door was not open. But all of a sudden, everyone's like, No, we're right on through, bro. Woo! And the four guys are just going. I think we just got played. <laughs> I think this bro just played us like a fiddle. I think we better leave now. And they follow their buddy out the door. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Facebook. Twitter, Vine, just exploded. Just saying, wait a minute, what does this have anything to do with soul? Jesus doesn't say anything about soul. But I think we see enough from this story to see a broken soul and a restored soul. See, the thing is, when we're broken... Physically, when there's something wrong with us. 
When our moral sense of conduct and our moral code of conduct is, is broken, it leads to a broken identity. And, and when, when I talk about morals, I, I, I'm taking it even expanded out to not only what we do, but what is done to us. It all goes into our code of conduct. And when that's broken, when that's broken, we have a broken identity. So this guy that was physically broken, his identity probably has become his, his, his physical brokenness. When they, when they couldn't get in, he probably was like, guys, I'm used to this now. Come on, let's go back home. I'm used to it. It's okay. Let's go back home. Maybe some of you are dealing with physical issues that have become your identity. <laughs> Maybe you don't like your butt and you will shut up. And hide what's going on inside of you. And the physical things that you don't like. But maybe it's financial brokenness that's become your identity. And you're caught in a cycle because you see yourself as just broken financially. Or maybe it's relationships. You just don't deserve somebody better. Or maybe it's a job. Well, I'm just this way. I just run over people to get what I want. Or maybe it's the opposite. I'm no good, so I'm just going to be lazy. Maybe it's something that somebody has done to you. Because we know that those that have gone through abuse, that becomes their identity. Maybe I just did something to deserve it. See, broken morals. What we do or what has been done to us leads to a broken identity. So what, when, when what we do is broken, who we are is broken. And when we have a broken sense of identity, what do we do? We try to fix it. We try to restore it with physical solutions. Like these four guys. All, all I have to do, all we have to do is get our buddy in front of Jesus. And when he gets healed, everything will be better. His identity will be better. So when we're physically broken, we think a physical answer will do it. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying don't take care of your body, but what I am saying is that we know the difference between taking care of ourselves and having our bodies be our physical identity. This is where eating disorders come into play, right? That we think that our, my identity will be restored if my body is just better. I mean, there's shows on, on, on the amount of plastic surgery people get. All just to make their identity better. The, but the physical, the physical will never heal. And, and, and relationships, relationships. Man, uh, that's what we call, we have a term for it. Rebound relationships. We think the physical will restore our identity. This guy's different. 
when we're broken financially. For some reason, we think that what will heal it is to buy another TV. No! Or in the extreme, we go to addictions. Trying to numb the pain of a broken identity. Or to the extreme of, 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 of prostitution and stripping and pimping and, and all of this. That becomes an identity. And we, the more we try to find physical solutions, what happens? The more we're broken on the inside. But what happens in this story? What happens in this story? How do we see a restored soul? First of all, faith overcomes the obstacles. There will be obstacles to you finding a restored soul. Good obstacles, like too many people in the room. There was an obstacle for the guys. And it, by faith, they tore through a roof. Ever thought about the ethical dilemma? It's not right to destroy property. But Jesus commended them, looking at their faith. They overcame obstacles, and it is by faith that we overcome obstacles. There's the good obstacle. There's the bad obstacle. The religious attitudes. They knew that when they did this, they were going to stop the show. They were going to stop the show. People wouldn't like that because you don't stop the show, right? For those of you that, that might be non-fans, those of you coming in just checking out the church thing, checking out the Jesus thing, and, and, and maybe something bad happened to you inside a church, or you've never been inside a church, or, or whatever your story is, there is an obstacle in the way because you feel like when you show up, you're going to stop the show. You know, like the Old West, the guy walks into the saloon that do it doesn't belong and everything stops. Everybody looks at you. A couple months ago, the, the uh, soccer team left a bag of balls on the bus that we used to go wherever we were going that night and so the next day the the head coach said hey why don't you go by the bus barn and pick up our balls and so um i went by there right as all the bus drivers were getting there and so i walk in the door and all the bus drivers are like sitting around the table and stuff i i walk in the door and it it, it was just like that like everybody stopped <laughs> looked at me like Just here to get a bag of balls, soccer balls. Where's the soccer balls? That's all I want. I just want to get my balls and leave. And for some people, just showing up at church feels like that. And it takes faith to overcome obstacles. I'm glad you're here because there's something of just being here that is faith. And you know what we get from this story? That Jesus sees your faith. 
I don't know if I have much faith. It doesn't matter. He sees your faith. You know what? He not only sees your faith, but He meets you right where your faith is. See, these guys were looking for a physical miracle in order to store this guy's identity, but Jesus did not scold them for that. Come on, guys, don't you know that that's not going to help him at all? I mean, yeah, sure, he'll be able to walk and stuff, but he's going to die eventually someday. Don't you guys know that's not really what I'm intended to be? Come on! That's not what he says. He meets them right where they are, right where their faith is. And he challenges them to go deeper. He doesn't scold them. I think, I think everybody here is willing to be challenged. No matter where you're at, willing to be challenged, and willing to be, be met by Jesus wherever you are. But I would venture to say none, no, nobody would go, sign me up to be scolded. Jesus meets us where we are and challenges us to go deeper than that. See, because he wants us to go beyond the physical. He wants us to see something deeper. He wants us to see that forgiveness restores our soul. That's why he did that. Child, your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness restores our soul. Forgiveness wipes the slate clean. Literally wipes the slate clean clean the broken code of conduct that we have no matter if it's from where we from things the things that we do or something that's been done to us or just nature jesus forgives and cleanses wipes the slate clean literally of everything that destroys our identity But hearing and following leads to physical restoration. It happens so quick. Did you see it? It happens so quick in the story. Did you see the hearing and following? Jesus looked at the guy, hey, get up, pick up your mat, go home. The guy didn't sit there and go, are you crazy? What if this doesn't work? No, he jumped up heard Jesus he followed Jesus and he saw a physical healing now what I'm not saying what I'm not saying is that everything's going to be fine you're going to have all the money you'll ever want you have all the relationships you ever want and blah 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 but what I am saying that 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 what is broken in our life that if we hear and follow him we will see physical restoration occur because we are hearing and following him so Financially, if we hear and follow him, we might not become millionaires, but we won't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Relationally, if we hear and follow him, we, we, we might not have all the friends in the world, but we will hold out. We won't have to settle. But Mr. Loser, just because you feel like that's all that you can do. We won't have to be in addictions. We won't have to worry about what's wrong with us physically. 
See what happens. What happens is that not only are we forgiven and the slate is wiped clean, but Jesus, God, gives us Jesus' righteousness. He gives us Jesus' own code of conduct. So we are what we do. We are what we do. God gives us his own doing. So we now, we now, the identity, the soul that we have is Jesus' own soul. Did you catch what he said? I repeated it a few times so that we could catch it. Did you catch what he said? That the Jesus, God the Son, stepped into God the Father role. Did you hear it? My child, your sins are forgiven. statement of identity isn't it what's his identity you are a child of God you are a child of God you are a child of God Jesus is God's son God gives us Jesus identity we are now sons and daughters of the king when we come to him for our salvation for our forgiveness for the righteousness that only he can give now our doing flows straight out of being a child of God last week we saw that Jesus wanted to turn Peter into a fisher of men and each week we'll have a fisher of men principle this principle this week fishers of men overcome obstacles for others the four guys, the four buddies, they overcame the, the good obstacle, the, the obstacle of too many people in too little, little of a space. But Jesus overcame the bad obstacle. He overcame the religious attitudes that were in the room. And once we become a child of God, once our identity is a child of God, once we are forgiven, once we, 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 we have that identity, now uh, to be a fisher of men, what we do is we go far and wide to overcome obstacles for people who are far from God, who need a restored soul. So why are we paying money? To expand in order to overcome the good obstacle, right? And every time we walk in here, it is on cross pointers, it is on our shoulders to overcome the second, the bad obstacle of religious attitudes, of making sure those who are far from God feel welcome. by God that we work to overcome the obstacles that people have because people internally have their own obstacles to overcome right so what does this mean for us this restored soul because it's a place that we cannot scratch ourselves Kind of, you just kind of left going, oh man, what, what do I do with this? I went searching for a specific phrase that I, I knew existed in, in Paul's epistles. He actually repeats it to several different churches, but the one that I found in Philippians works so well with this. It's 
Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Other translations say, work out your salvation. Obeying God, hearing and following God with deep reverence and fear, with this high level of respect for God, with this high level of awe and reverence and, and respect, hear and follow Him. Work out your salvation. Not work for, work out. Because, 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 because. For. Why work out our salvation? Why do this? For. Because. God is working in you. Or said another way, God is restoring your soul. God is restoring your moral code of conduct. God is restoring your identity to be a child of God. God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. None of us have the desire to do what pleases Him on our own. None of us have the power to do what pleases Him on our own. He does that inside of us. He restores our soul inside of us and so that we can work out the salvation that He is putting inside of us. Phil loves the illustration of the sweet dance, and this is works. When you watch Dancing with the Stars or Dancing with the Kind of Sort of Stars, you see the guy lead. But the woman is not a wet noodle. Right? The guy leaves, but the girl has a role. God leads, but we have a role. God leads by working in us and working, out, working in us to restore our soul. And our role is to simply take what he's doing inside of us as an identity of a child of God and each day saying, I'm going to live out my identity as a child of God today and work that out. Season of progress. We progress in our relationship with God. God. That's why we give you a reading plan and, and encourage you to pray and encourage you to be part of a small group, a community, the Bible and prayer and community. That's how, that, those are the tools he wants us to use so that he can work in us so that every day we can work out the restored soul that he's working in us. Some of you walk in this morning and Maybe you've never had your soul restored by God. You've never asked Him to forgive you. You've never asked Him for His righteousness. There'll be a couple of us in the back of the room and, and we are there to be a safe people to, to, to work out what God is doing in you wherever you are. For the rest of you, that's settled. But this is the growing process, right? God's always working in us. So be praying and asking God, God, what are you doing in me that I need to work out? And again, if you need to, somebody to pray with, we'll be back in the back and we want this to be a safe place, a safe people. When you go to your, your, your small groups, your community groups, connect groups, disciple-making relationships, talk about what God is working in you so that you can talk about how you are working that out. And worship. 
and worship the one who is restoring your soul. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for restoring our soul. I thank you for, for doing that in us. We don't know exactly how you work there. We have no idea. This is completely dependent upon your spirit. We cannot work in our own soul. You do. We can only work out what you are working in. And I pray, Lord, that you put something, something on our, every one of our hearts to work out. Whether it's to ask you to restore their soul or if it's something like we've been living this for years upon years upon years and there's something that you're leaning in on and pushing in on. Let us live like children of the King because you've adopted us as such. Put such a glory in our hearts for you that this next worship set is just an outpouring of our gratitude to the restored soul that you give us. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, stand with us. A couple of us will be in the back. Worship the one who has restored your soul. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. You can subscribe to our daily blog at cpf.me.